Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. Please feel free to let the kids go. I think some of them already have, but please feel free to get going. And um, we just love the kids. We do keep the kids in here. But you know what? Little Vance, how old are you, Vance, before you run away? Six. So Vance was praying for me for healing in that moment when um, that word of knowledge was given, right? And then we were praying just into healing in general. Six-year-olds can pray and see people get healed. And six-year-olds can pray and get words of knowledge and prophetic words and give them to an adult. Right? There's no, it's, the age is not a thing in God. We make it a thing wrongly. It's not a thing in God at all. And um, I'm going to even, I'm so glad that we prayed for um, the word of knowledge. But, you know, last week you got the word of knowledge. You got healed, right? Fully healed. No problems, still healed. Yeah, fully healed. So thank God for that, right? So just to help people know what we're talking about when I say word of knowledge, in First Corinthians 12, I think it's either verse 9 or 10. Someone can look it up. Um, it's word of knowledge is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So what Jess is just so beautifully pushed into of, you know, um, and this is for anybody, but Jess just does it week in, week out and sits with the Lord even before service and goes, is this something that you want to do? Is there someone you want to heal? Is there a body part that you want to make better? And um, her faithfulness to keep doing that and keep asking the Lord, I don't even, I'm looking, where are you? Over there. Her faithfulness to keep doing that is why she just walks into more of it. Because what we get from the Lord, if we steward it well, he gives us more and more of, right? And so it's no surprise to me that week after week, there's words of knowledge and people are getting healed through her life because she's pushed into it by faith. And keep asking and keep, it's, like, it's, the, it's the keep on asking, keep on knocking and keep on going, like knocking at that door, pounding, ask, ask, ask until you get it and, and steward it well. Amen? Amen. On that... Um, there's a, there's a Bible verse, um, and it's um, Jesus said to the man, said to a man, uh, he was healing him, but the man had to get up and pick up his mat. And literally, he goes, it's paralytic. Literally, he goes, um, I'm, uh, heals the man, but the man, the obedience was on the backside of his, sorry, the healing was on the backside of his obedience. Right, so Jesus looked at the man and said, You want to be healed? You're a paralytic, you want to be healed? Okay, pick up your mat and walk. And, and the man hadn't been touched from the Lord. Jesus hadn't said, be healed in Jesus' name. Nothing like that. It was just he had to obey the command of the Lord and he got healed like that. <laughs> and so I've been healed twice of things from, from a command like that from the Lord. So it's how hearing and obeying at any moment just to, um, sometimes he says, pray and command healing. Sometimes he says, just pick up and do something. It's the prophetic act of obedience to get up and go. And I'll say even this morning, because the team know, I came in with a scratchy, scratchy, sore throat. I deal with a lot of allergies and congestion, right, all the time. And I'm praying all the time for healing for it. But God gave me the scripture because he goes, you know that scripture, pick up your mat and walk? He goes, pick up your mic and sing. <laughs> Holy Spirit. So it's our obedience. We just got to walk in obedience. That's what it's about. So um, last week, um, I don't know, you know, some people weren't here that are here today. And uh, um, we talked about exposing witchcraft. Um, and I'm not going to talk about that today necessarily, except just to say what it is. Witchcraft is the religion of the world. 
So if you belong in the world system, if you belong to the enemy, the devil, because you haven't yet given your life to Jesus, you're in that kingdom, you're in that world system, and you're under the power of witchcraft. A Christian belongs to Jesus. Jesus has won and paid the price for your salvation, and he's made you a new creation, and he's transplanted you out of that old kingdom and put you into the new kingdom. You're a new creation in him, right? So... You're not in that old world system. You're not in that old world religion of witchcraft. And so today, I'm not trying to go over that other, other, other service, that other meeting at all, just to give you, sorry, message, just to give you the introduction was witchcraft is the system, the religion of the world. And we've got to be careful as believers not to give our mouth to it. And we've got to be careful as believers not to believe the lies and the accusations and the threats from the enemy, because all of that is all witchcraft, lies, threats, shame, condemnation. Um, accusation and threat are two of the biggest things. And even through our media in culture right now, it's just every day. It's like a 24-hour cycle of lies thrown into our nation. And so as Christians, we've got to learn to be people to go, that's a lie, that's a lie. I'm not going to live under that. I'm not going to come under that. I break that in Jesus' name and we, we preach. That's why we read the scripture, right? So we can speak scripture to the lies because when we speak truth to lies, the lies come down really quickly. When we pray, when we worship, when we express who Jesus is through our lives, let his love through, flow through our lives, we break down all of that stuff quickly because Jesus in us has overcome the world and he is all powerful, right? And he's on the inside. Say, Jesus is on the inside of me. Say it again really loud, like you believe it. Say it again one more time. Amen. So he's alive. And he is the one with all the power. All the power. All the power. So, today what we're talking about is not giving the enemy a foothold or exposing some of the areas we as believers have done that in the past. Okay, um, what we're going to do is, um, I'm going to read, first of all, John 14, verse 30. I'm going to read it from the NIV and then the New King James Version. So John 14, verse 30 says this. As Jesus, by the way, um, uh, John 13, 14, 15, 16, are all the dinner before Jesus went to Gethsemane and prayed and then was crucified the next morning, right? So... So it's the, it's the night before he died. It's at the supper. It's the supper conversation. They're having dinner and he's sitting with his friends and the people who loved him and the people that he loved. And he's saying, this is my last night with you and this is what I want you to know. I'm down. He was like the last download before he goes to be, to go to heaven, right? But this is one of the things he said. I will not talk with you much longer. Oh, just down to the New King James, sorry. I will not talk with you much longer for the ruler of this world is coming... And he has nothing in me. And that's what we're talking about today. He has, the enemy, has nothing in me. We as Christians sometimes let the enemy have stuff in us. And that's what we want to talk about. Closing all those doors. Not allowing him to have stuff in us. Okay. I'm going to read it again. The ruler of this world is coming. He roars around. He, he walks around and roars like a lion. We know that seeking who he can devour on the earth, right? But Jesus said, he has nothing in me. So now open up to Ephesians chapter 4. 
I'm going to read quite a few scriptures here from Ephesians, okay? So I'm reading from 17, chapter 4, verse 17. I tell you this and insist upon it in the Lord. NIV, by the way. You must no longer live as Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. It's in us, right? That he's talking about unbelievers though. But it's, what, it's the stuff that's in us. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality and so to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. Verse 20, that however is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and you were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus Christ. You were taught with with regard to the former way of life to put off the old self and the putting off of the old self is the um, taking out the things in us that the enemy might try and come and use against us. Right? So you were taught to put off the old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. We are created to be like God. So, uh, where is it? 1 Peter 1.16, is that right? 1 Peter 1.16 says, uh, be holy because I'm holy. Like the Father says... Be holy, as Jesus, the Holy Spirit's writing through Peter, right? But it's, you can say Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's one God, three persons, one God. Um, the Holy Spirit, so Peter is saying, writing with the Holy Spirit, be holy because I am holy. But it's, we, we are called into a holiness and a righteousness. And it's not something we have to work up to and strive up to. We've been given it. And so when Jesus looks at you, he looks at you through the filter of Jesus' purity. He looks at you through the filter of Jesus' perfection and his righteousness and his holiness. And so he's not looking at you going, you made this mistake yesterday and your chickens, I saw the video on Facebook. <laughs> your chickens are a mess. <laughs> She's got chickens and she's having all kinds of problems. Yeah. <laughs> so... So um, it's not like God is not going, you have this problem, this problem, this problem. When you fix them, then come to me. He's not saying, when you're good enough for me to give you my love, then I'll give you some love. So these are the 10 things to get my love. God is not doing that. The gift that we have in Christ Jesus has been so freely given to us and God gives it again and again and again and pours it more and more of it into our lap. We are free and whole and righteousness. We are righteous. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. We are fully free. Say, I am not a sinner. Say, I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. You're not a sinner. If you've given your life to Jesus, he has made you a new creation and you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. It is broken, wrong, old theology that leaves Christians still saying, I'm a sinner. Because here's why. The Holy Spirit cannot dwell in a vessel that is still a sinner. It's the most broken old thing to go, I'm a sinner saved by grace. I'm like, no, you're not a sinner. If you're saved by grace, you're a new creation. 
You're a new creation and you've been made brand new. You've been given the righteousness of Christ and made holy and pure. And your vessel is that way so that Holy Spirit can come in and fill you because he cannot dwell where sin dwells. And so the new creation has been made pure and been made holy and been made righteous. And so we sometimes struggle with the, am I even worthy to receive this? Am I, am I good enough? My failures, I failed yesterday. I failed 10 years ago. I failed when I was a kid. And all of these things get stuck in our memory. And we start to think that, that they're reasons that we can't be, be used by God. Or we can't be filled with the Holy Spirit or, or be someone that gets lots of words of knowledge for healing. And, but God wants all of us to have this revelation. You are completely 100% free in God. You are completely 100% pure before God. And it's nothing that you've done yourself. It's nothing that you can do to work. You cannot earn it. It's just given. And so that's why Jesus said, we've got to be like children. Because children on Christmas Day don't argue over their presence. Or unless they're arguing with a sibling. But I mean, I mean, what I mean is they don't argue over, is it mine? Is it really mine? Can I really open this present, mum or dad? They're ripping this stuff open. And they, <laughs> it's like ripping it open. It's like, oh, this is mine. And running around and there's no question in their mind. A child does not question what is being given to them on Christmas Day. At all. That's how we are supposed to be receiving the power of God, the presence of God, the Holy Spirit in us, the glory presence, strong presence that, by the way, is in us for our benefit, but also on us for the benefit of all the people around about us. And so that when we walk into the workplace or the school that we were at or, you know, shopping, I own my shopping center. The food line people, they're my people and they know it, are they? They do, they do, Cause I, but because but I, just, I just keep sewing in, keep speaking love to them, keep demonstrating who Jesus is in front of the person that's, that doesn't yet know Jesus. If you show up into their life and the purpose that God is on you is so that you can show up into their life and they see Jesus. They don't see broken, old, fragmented person. Jesus wants you to be so full of him that you can turn up into that place and they get a taste of what he was like, a taste of his love, a taste of his presence because that's what changes people. Like, I can't change anyone. And I'd be, by the way, if I try to, I'm manipulating. That's like last week's message, right? If I try to dominate and change and get my way, I, I, I spiral into manipulation. And that is, none of us are meant to operate that way. I, we, we, we live yielded. We live surrendered so fully that the Holy Spirit, the more you're surrendered, the more Holy Spirit fills you. The greater the surrender, the greater the presence of God in you. It's really very simple. Christianity is, we overcomplicate it with way too many things. Anyway. I need a drink, sorry. <clears throat> Actually dehydrates you when you do a lot of singing and speaking in front of people. So you've all got to watch me do this now. Hold on. <laughs> sorry. Chug. Someone's like, chug, chug. Um, I'm going to keep reading. I'm going to go back. It's back in Ephesians, same section, verse 25. Therefore, put off all falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. 
For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're angry and give no foothold to the devil. This is also part of the message, not giving a foothold to the devil. Jesus said, he, the devil, he has nothing in me. We're commanded, give no foothold to the devil. Us giving a foothold is allowing him to have something in us. So Jesus is like, he has nothing in me. And what that meant was, we are a new creation, but sometimes we have bad old habits. So you're a new creation. You are, you are not a sinner. You are a fully new creation. But sometimes it's the old habits that stick around. And so we get saved and we are filled with the Holy Spirit and we are made brand new. But sometimes there's the old memories that have got to be dealt with, the old wounds that have got to be dealt with. Sometimes it's the things that we don't want to let go of, like Clayton's message about let go of the monkey or whatever. Banana. Don't, don't hold monkeys. <laughs> let go of the banana. If you were here that day, you'd get that. Otherwise, sorry. <laughs> In jokes. <laughs> let go of the banana in the coconut that the monkey was hanging on to. It's on YouTube. Um, so, so the footholds, the footholds are, I still, I, st- I, I don't want to give up this thing that I, sin, I don't want to, sexual immorality, you know, one of the things that is destroying America is sexual immorality, but even in the church, and so we have a church right now that um, has not been told about sexual purity, has not been told value your virginity, Value that because it's a gift you give to the man you marry or woman that you marry. It's the best gift. And then in the place of one man, one woman, marriage is one man, is one woman, right? That's it. The government can try and redefine anything, but God won't. God has designed this so that... You can clap. Go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's clapping for God's right. We're championing what God champions and living by God's truth only. And so, so virginity and then the gift that you get to give to your spouse on, on your wedding day. We have a generation of people who have not even realized the great value and the great gift that that can be. Because there's just so much brokenness. And sometimes the brokenness is because the church hasn't talked about it and taught it properly. Sometimes the brokenness is just because people just won't give up and stop their silliness. I'm saying silliness. I mean sinful ways, right? And so um, last week we talked about a lot of this. I'm picking on sexual immorality, but there's a lot. Like gossip, slander, ruining someone else's reputation just because you don't like them, just because you can. And you can even make it sound spiritual. I, I actually, you know this person... I think this would help them, but uh, it's vomit. It's vomit. It's so, so horrible. And so last week it was about what we give our words to really matters, right? And so when we decide to give up those sinful ways, I give up my sinful ways, I confess, and upon that confession and that repentance comes, then I'm fully cleaned again of that stuff, right? When I do that, I close the door on the enemy. I give him no foothold of that area of my life, right? And so that's just being, just being someone who, who, who will willingly goes, I understand I've been given the righteousness, but now I'm also called to walk in it, right? 
And so there's the hyper grace message that goes this through America right now, which is I have been made righteous, so I've got all the license I need to keep on sinning because <laughs> God's going to cover me with that grace thing. Remember that grace thing? So I have license. And that's actually false. It's false teaching. Um, um, we have been given righteousness. We have been given purity. We have been made so, so pure and so beautifully holy before the Lord, right? And filled with his Holy Spirit, to empower us to walk in that holiness, right? We are, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to live really beautifully well before the Lord. It doesn't mean I don't make mistakes. Because we all will make mistakes still because we're not yet perfect, right, on this earth. But my, the, the desire of my heart, the desire of our heart is to live in a place that's just pleasing to the Lord, like pleasing to him in every way. And, um, and he empowers us to it. He doesn't say do it, but not without the help. He's given us the Holy Spirit, who is God, who lives on the inside of us and fills us and empowers us every day. Grace, grace is not just about the forgiveness. Grace is much, much bigger meaning of grace is the spiritual empowerment to live this God life, right? It's really important that we be people who understand We've been given this beautiful purity. We've been given this beautiful righteousness. We've been made so pure before God. But now let's live it. Let's really honor the Lord and live it. He's given it so freely. He's given us his love so freely. Intimacy with him, friendship with him, so freely given to us. And he wants us just to live at this level of incredible purity before him. We are made pure, but then empowered to walk in it. Amen. All right, so I want to talk about just a few of the things that do fragment the human personality. I mentioned sexual immorality, and you know what? It's the biggest one. It, does, it fractures the human personality. And what I mean by that is, I'll read this in John, James, James, James chapter 1. If you opened up to James chapter 1, verse 5, in the NIV again. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. Amen? Ask. <laughs> He gives generously, and he's not going to go, oh, just a little bit, because you're not quite good enough to get it all. It just says it right here. He gives generously to all without finding fault. Verse 6. When you ask, believe and do not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. The person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So double-minded two minds. This actually means be of two minds. It's dipsuchus. Dipsuchus is the Greek word. Two die, two minds. It's a fragmentation of the human personality. We fragment, we get fragmented and, and broken apart. Actually, I think a better way to say it is um, like to understand what your, your, your personality looks like. Do you know if you, if you break a, a mirror and it just shatters into lots of pieces? Like, that is what the human personality looks like when they've been broken by sin. Just pieces broken. A fragmentation is happening. There's fragments all over the place. Hard to put back together, right? Religion tries to put it back together. <laughs> Does a really bad job of it. But, but the brokenness and the fragmentation is the, is the broken personality. And this is where the enemy gets the in. Jesus said, he has nothing in me. 
right? But when the person is broken, when there's brokenness, and brokenness can come through woundedness, can come through this sin as I've unwilling to give up sin. There's other things like the w- woundedness is even often I think bigger than some of the sin stuff because we can carry woundedness in us from childhood, like from the earliest places, uh, times three, four, ten, twenty. I'm fifty years old, right? So, but when you when you when you carry woundedness and and hang on to the woundedness and maybe allow it to become like this victimhood that just sits in you and 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 you remain a victim. It fragments, like shatters, your personality, your, the, your mind, the internal world. I like to call our internal world our internal universe because it's as big in here as, as, and complex as, as we see the universe around about us. The internal world is big and it's, and it's complex. But we, we, when we surrender it over to the Lord... When we, as I've already talked about, surrendering sin and, and stopping that stuff and confessing and being made whole in those areas, but then also the woundedness. When we allow him to come in and deal with the memories and deal with the wounds and allow him to have his way, he heals us and he puts us back together so that fragmented, broken, fractured mirror gets put back together by Jesus, by the hand of Jesus. He's the one who puts us back together, heals those places, fixes that in us, right? But it takes us brave people to just go, I have a wound here. I have unforgiveness attached to a wound. I have resentment attached to a wound. I'm sitting in some wrong victim mentality. Those things are poison. Those things fragment us. When we be brave enough to go, I'm going to give this up. I want healing. I want to be whole. I want to be made clean and fully new and have nothing in me. Like Jesus said, he has nothing in me. I want him to have nothing in me. So we have already talked about sin, but it's the woundedness. When we, we carry on, we carry some of the memories, like trauma memories from the past. The enemy attaches demons to that stuff. And we give demons permission, legal permission to harass us. So people go, can a Christian have a demon, right? That's a very common. It's been asked for years and years in the church. Much of the church is in quite denial that a Christian can have, even the demons mess with us, let alone a Christian can have a demon. I want to explain, demon possession is not a biblical word. You don't find possession. It's not, right? It is um, oppression. Okay? So demons harass people and harass, like... Unbelievers are at their mercy, but some believers live at a, far below where we want to live and where we, the Bible tells us that we can live because we haven't, we haven't allowed the Lord to deal with the stuff and bring those fractured pieces and those parts of us and heal them and make us whole. And so we have things in us that the enemy can harass. I, I love this. There's a really old... Um, who's heard of Lester Sumrall? I think it was this guy, and sorry if it's not him. I think it was Lester Sumrall. He, he said, actually it might have been Derek Prince. He said, um, um, demons are like flies, which is actually biblical. We know Baal, Baal is Lord of the Flies. So flies, demons are like flies. But in us, when we have um, emotions and fragmentation parts of our, in, inside of us, our emotions can start to overwhelm and there's, it, it gets a little stinky. Like putrid emotions, garbage emotions, anger 
bitterness, resentment, like especially, like it's not, it's not wrong to be angry in a moment, it's wrong to hang on to it, all right? So I'm talking about, I'm talking about hanging on to this stuff, hanging on to it and dwelling on it and dwelling on unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is one of the biggest, right? So dwelling on this stuff and hanging on to it, that is like garbage that flies are attracted to and who knows, the bigger the garbage heap, the more the flies... <laughs> You understand this, right? The, the, the bigger the garbage heap, the more the attraction for the flies. What's that putrid smell? I love that. <laughs> and we've given them the permission because we've decided we're going to hang on to the unforgiveness. And we've given them the permission because we've decided we're not going to let someone off the hook who, who did us wrong. Or we give them the permission because we are, are, there's wounds that, that we try to cover like a, band-aid, a bandage over a wound that's unhealed. It just lets this, the, the wound underneath it fester. Right? This is some pretty basic stuff. I think you can understand what this means, right? And so, and so James chapter 4 this time. James chapter 4 says this. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Verse 8 says, Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So it's not... This sounds quite harsh. I understand that. It, please don't hear that in the harsh way. Understand this is an instruction. Is, is wash your hands, purify your hearts, but be willing to give up the double-mindedness. Be willing to go... I have some issues in my heart, mind, thinking, emotions. My affections aren't fully the Lord's yet, right? Recognize that. Repent of that. Confess it before the Lord. Because when we do, he's faithful. He forgives. He's the one who purifies. He's the one who then takes all of those shattered pieces and puts them back together. Jesus, I said earlier... The 1 Peter 1.16 verse, be holy as I'm holy. But I want to read you um, again 1 John 4.13. I'm going to begin with 4.13. The script, one of the, script, the main scriptures in this world, we are like Jesus and, sorry, he has nothing in me. I just tripped up what I was trying to say there. In this world, he has nothing in me. But this is, this is part of... I think understanding how we are like him. So 1 John, 1 John 4.13. This is how we know we live in him and he is in us. He has given us his spirit. And when we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world, if anyone acknowledges that Jesus Christ is the son, God lives in them and they live in God. Like we have a home in him. And we're so welcome there, by the way. Right? So, so welcome. Verse 16. So we know and rely on love and the love that God has for us because God is love. Whoever lives in God and God lives in them. Right? This is how we know love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like Jesus. So when Jesus said over back in John, John writes, Jesus saying, he has nothing in me. Here we have, much later in John's life, he's writing again about Jesus again, saying, in this world, we are like Jesus. We are to be like Jesus. The 1 Peter 1.16, which is be holy just as I am holy. 
we are to be just like Jesus so that we can also say, here's the enemy over there, but he has nothing in me. Right? So we're to be healed. We're to be whole. We're to let love, the love of God, so come in and impact us and change us because perfect love casts out all fear. And fear has with it tyranny and every kind of punishment and wrong thinking and wrongdoing, right? So fear is cast out, fully cast out. By the way, when that is cast out, we much more quickly just come to that place of, okay, now heal me and deal with the memories, deal with the wounds, deal with the stuff that I've allowed to fragment, that where I've allowed a foothold to the enemy. Deal with that stuff in me because that's what you understand that you're safe in God's love. You understand that you're saved, but you're also very, very safe in his love. And his love... It casts out all the fear. Sometimes the casting out of the fear and understanding, because fear is a liar. Fear is of the devil. The devil is the liar, the father of all lies, right? But we understand that the casting out of fear, the casting out of fear means we can't keep owning it. So the casting out of fear means now I have a responsibility to allow the Lord to come in and fix to allow the Lord to come in and heal and make whole. And right, so that fragmented parts and pieces of me, now because love has cast out fear, I'm not afraid of presenting them before the Lord because he's the one that's already forgiven me and he's the one that wants to heal me and he's the one that wants to send so much of his love through me and in me that I really do walk around healed and whole, right? Perfect love casts out fear. Now I'm unafraid to bring my confession before the Lord. Lord, I'm sorry for this. I'm sorry for this. I'm, I give up. I give up hanging on to that victimhood. Victimhood, by the way, is not at all something that you can have if you're a believer in Christ Jesus. As Jesus became the victim for you, so you can never be a victim anymore. So if you hear that in the church, or if you hear any message out of a church saying, these people are victims and this, that and the other, they are not preaching the gospel, they're preaching against the gospel. Amen. It's just one more part, right? It's the victimhood stuff. So we, we have the responsibility because we've been so affected by his love and so changed and healed. We have the freedom in him to know no matter what I bring to the Lord, he's not going to flip out. He's not going to freak out at me confessing my sin before him. He's not going to flip out and think, oh, you dirty, rotten sinner. You f- you're going to have to do, you know, earn your way back to my love or earn your way back to my freedom. No, it's the repentance and the confession and the wide open life lived before him that brings the freedom in the first place for that. And, and the more we do that, the more free we are. The more we yield, the more we surrender, the more Holy Spirit in us, the more free we are, the more bold we are, the less we're ever affected by fear, any kind of fear. Amen. So... I'm actually going to just read one more scripture, I think. Sammy Montel is texting me. <laughs> She's sitting right here. <laughs> I'm like, that just came, the notification. I know, so put that away, put that away. She's probably saying, don't tell people about my chickens. Ah, <laughs> ah, oh, 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 okay, thank me, with, give me some of those good fresh eggs. No. Um, for real though, she, she's got like, she started her own chicken coop. I'm so impressed. I'm not going to do that. 
<laughs> I don't have the time. Like, it would bust me. But, but I love that you're doing it. <laughs> but she just said it's busting me too. <laughs> so, but you're doing it. It's good. It's good. It's good. So I'm going I'm to um, I'm read another scripture and then we're just going to walk through some more praying like we did last week. Okay? Is that all right? Yeah. So I'm going to read from the Passion Translation. And so I'm going to read from Psalm 5, so it's chapter 5, beginning at verse 3. And I heard, um, I heard this. So we know, we know the, the Psalms are like, David's having a great day writing a great Psalm, and then the next day he's on a downer. <laughs> Roller coaster of emotions, right? Up, down, up, down, up, down. I don't, you, know, you can read, read through the Psalms and go, was he having a good day or a bad day? Or same day, same day, up, then down, same day. And, and literally, that's how the Psalms read. And I heard a comedian last night say, we wouldn't have the book of Psalms if David had had Prozac. <laughs> Do I have to repeat that? Some people going, what did she say? <laughs> we wouldn't have the book of Psalms if they, haven't invented, if they hadn't invented anxiety medication. <laughs> I just think that's really funny and it's really true. Wrong dependence. I'm not saying don't use medication, but I am saying break wrong dependences, wrong dependencies. Break those things. Amen. Anyway, this is a good day. David on a good day. Don't read the rest of the psalm though. <laughs> just, no, bring it back. Psalm, um, verse, verse 3, Passion Translation. And I love this because this is us. We have the permission, actually not just the permission, we have a great invitation to do the same thing. It's just constant invitation from God to do this, right? So verse 3. At each and every sunrise, you will hear my voice as I prepare my sacrifice of praise to you. Prayer, sorry, prayer. Every morning I lay out the pieces of my life on the altar and wait for you, your fire to fall upon my heart. I think about that and pray that all the time. I'm going to read it again. Each and every sunrise, you will hear my voice as I prepare my sacrifice of prayer to you. Every morning, I lay out the pieces of my life on the altar and wait for your fire to fall upon my heart. David's unafraid to come and bring the whole of himself to the Lord. And we know David was messed up, right? All of his, every, everything that he ever did wrong is just right in the Bible for us. Not everything, actually, probably. But um, it, uh, the, all of the stuff that he murdered people. Uh, not just, you know, he was a warrior. I don't mean the warrior side of him, the military side of him. I mean he murdered, he murdered a woman's husband so he could marry the woman, right? He had, was adulterous. And, and, but but he, he understood what it was like to just come again and again and again before the Lord and lay the pieces of his heart out before the Lord. Here's my heart again, God. Here are all the pieces. I am sorry. And the difference between him and Saul was Saul would not repent or would fake it. David didn't fake his repentance. David didn't fake his surrender. He didn't fake the contrite humility, that humbleness in his heart to come before the Lord and go flip I messed up again. But thank you that you're faithful and thank you that you heal and thank you that you have your way in me. I want you to have your way in me. 
right? And that was every day. He said, he does it every day. I lay the pieces of my life on the altar once again and wait for your fire to fall upon my heart. Verse 7 says, I know that you welcome me into your house, for I am covered by your covenant of mercy and love. He said that in the Old Testament. He had a great revelation of grace. There's so much grace, even in the Old Testament. We don't think about it, but they walked in incredible grace. Whoever walked obediently to the Lord, even in the Old Testament, walked with incredible grace, incredible forgiveness, right? I'm covered by your covenant of mercy and love. So I come to your sanctuary with the deepest awe, which is the fear of the Lord, worshipful fear of the Lord. I come with the deepest of awe to bow in worship and adore you. Yahweh is Father, right? Yahweh, lead me in the paths of your pleasure, just like you promised me you would, or else my enemies will conquer me. But smooth you, it's actually he does it, right? Smooth out the road in front of me, straight and level, so I'll know where to walk. And so... That's his prayer, and we can pray it over ourselves, but this is, the, this is the life Jesus lived, just fully trusting the Lord. He was free of sin. Jesus is fully free of sin, right? But he still just trusted the Lord, trusted that the Father would do everything that Jesus needed to do. He was obedient to the Father, and if he heard the Father do something, he believed it and just did it, right? And so, actually, I love this because Jesus said he, had, he took no initiative to do his own thing. He only listened and heard so that he would only do and say everything that he saw the Father doing and say what the Father was saying, right? And, and we're to be like Jesus in this world. And this scripture here is how to make sure the enemy has nothing in us so that we really can step up and live this life of having nothing, nothing in us that the enemy can, can come and hang forgive unforgiveness on or no no, like the demons the flies they don't stick around because now you smell like the presence of the lord now you smell like the altar the altar of worship off your heart the perfume that that brings glory of god into your life and the glory of god asphyxiates and chokes out demons i've seen it in the spirit it's for real so we're, we're to live very very free very very free and there's no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus the law of sin and death has been fully broken, right? There is no condemnation. And so when you might even maybe step up into someone else's world and say, I need to confess this with you because I know that my confession to another person even breaks any other greater power. My, my confession before another person brings greater accountability and because I've done it with another person now, I have another person praying for me. And prayer is so powerful our prayer is so powerful. The weakest little help busts what the enemy might be throwing at you. Like the weakest little help God busts so much of what the enemy tries to throw our way. We haven't believed it and because we've been double-minded. We've been fractured. Our faith has been down here because we haven't allowed the Lord to deal with stuff and so the enemy has had footholds. That You could look at the whole church, all of history, right? But I mean church today. We don't live at the level yet that God wants us to live at and, have, and really see the victories and breakthroughs that, that, we, that the Bible, by the way, says we can have and do. Is everything you read in the Bible, we can have. Understand, like, we're not going to 
have to build an ark. <laughs> that was the historical thing that happened one time. <laughs> but I mean, what I mean is anything that, you, anything that you're hearing and receiving from the Holy Spirit, just like the disciples did, it's walking in uh, incredible miracles, seeing God do such breakthrough in your family's life and work lives. And this, this is supposed to be our normal, the normal Christian life is to be fully filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered to do everything God has tasked you with because you've been put on the earth for such a time as this you've been put on the earth with destiny and purpose and every single thing that you read in the bible can be yours in that sense because because it's god's word it is the most powerful thing but we've got to believe it so believing it means i've got to leave behind that double-mindedness i will trust what god says i won't be double-minded because in the double-mindedness i leave myself open for the enemy to get a foothold in so what we're going to do now, we're just going to pray for a little bit. Remembering that there's no condemnation in Christ. We're going to, I mean, have some privacy, right? So we'll pray some things and give, give each other privacy. Um, um, I actually, I don't know who this was, but Brent told me this week, someone heard the message last week and goes, I wasn't really thinking who that was. I wasn't really thinking it was for me until we got to the prayer time and then Holy Spirit showed me during the prayer time, oh, I need to confess that too, right? And so God's like that. I can be praying a prayer and the Holy Spirit might highlight something in your heart that he's just asking you to just go, oh, I'll give you that. And then when you do, when you do that, I give you that. What do you have in exchange? Because he always wants to fill you with so much more and give you so much more back. And so you can go, yeah, I yield that. Yeah, I confess that. I lay that down. And over here, God, I'm gonna, what do you have for me to pick up? We've already talked about some of it is purity and wholeness and freedom, right? But I mean other things too. What do you have for me to pick up? How do you want me to walk this out now, this new freedom? Amen? All right, so I've got to get a drink again, sorry, and we'll pray. So close your eyes and just, you know, engage your heart with the Lord because he's here he's here in the room just engage your heart and don't worry about the kids so Jesus right now we just give you permission we lay the pieces of our heart on the altar for you have you have permission we give you permission we lay out the pieces of our heart on the altar and we do say, come and um, put us back together in only the way that you can do. And so as we lay the pieces of our heart on your altar, God, you know our life story. And I trust you even now that you are touching hearts and, and maybe speaking to people of some things that they can, they can yield. They can give up. They can confess before you and trust that as they do, you make us whole. You make us free. So I just pray right now, Jesus, for complete healing God, thank you that your anointing here in the room softens our heart. So I do pray for soft hearts. I do pray, God, that everybody here would allow you to come in and deal and have your way. You're a good and kind father. You're a kind father. And in your kindness, you are the one who we give permission to deal in our heart is you do nothing out of condemnation. You do nothing out of shame. You only bring conviction, which is power of the Holy Spirit. 
to confess it and then walk free. I'm going to start confessing a few things that just very generally, right? Lord God, as a church family, so I'm going to just stand here as a church and represent church family, okay? I repent of giving my tongue to gossip. I repent of slander. I repent of watching wrong shows, wrong TV, maybe pornography. I repent of pornography. I repent of giving my heart and affection to those things in a wrong way. I repent of sexual immorality. I repent of hanging on to unforgiveness. I repent of not letting go of those people, whether yesterday or all the way in the past. I just repent, Father God, and I forgive. I choose to forgive. I line up my heart with what you say, which is if I I choose to forgive and you're going to help me do it, help us do it, God. I pray help people into really forgiving and letting go. I I confess victim mentality. I confess resentment. I confess critical judging. I confess using shame. I confess these things and let them go. We let these things go. Jesus... Thank you that you are faithful. Thank you that you forgive. Thank you that you forgive. And you cast our sin as far away as the east is from the west and you do not remember them anymore. And so I do pray for people to really be touched by your conviction, Holy Spirit, that you would purify us. We do give you the permission for you to purify us and for you to have your way, that we would be people who not only walk with the imputed, that's that given purity and holiness before you but that we also be people who walk walk with that level of purity and devotion and so Jesus I just pray for full devotion here in this place to you full devotion here in this place to you Jesus full devotion nothing held back nothing held back from you Jesus teach us how to live lives of full devotion Teach us how to live lives fully yielded over, fully surrendered over. Teach us how to live lives of full obedience at every moment, understanding that even in those moments when they're hard, the Holy Spirit is in the inside of us, empowering us to live obedient. I speak and declare the freedom of the Lord Jesus Christ over every person here. In Jesus' name, we just speak and declare freedom, the freedom, the freedom of the Lord, the freedom of the Lord. We break every bond and chain in Jesus' name. If there's something that someone needs to still let go of, there's like a chain hanging on, I pray God highlight that in their thinking right now so they can let that go. In Jesus' name. And we break these chains, we break these bonds, we break these limitations and the things that have hindered people from walking in your freedom. And I just pray and declare the life, the resurrection life of Jesus Christ on the inside of every person here. In Jesus' name, resurrection life flow, flow on the inside. Bubble up from the inside, Holy Spirit. Have your way, fill, overwhelm, overwhelm us, God. Overwhelm us, God. Overwhelm us, Lord, with your power and presence and glory. And we want nothing less. We want nothing short of your glory. We do. We just dedicate ourselves, God. We do. We devote. We devote everything. We put ourselves right there on the altar. And we say, come and have your way. Come and have your way. Come and have your way. Teach us how to live lives of that honor you every moment every moment help us mind and guard our thoughts and our words so that we are people who really walk so pure holy ones before you god
holy ones. And I pray that people would grow more in love with you today, God. More love, more love, God. Pour out more love. And I pray because we respond to you loving us with loving you back. And so I pray, God, that people would understand what it means to be so enraptured by you, captivated by you, Jesus, as you're the beautiful one. And you're worth it all. So this was Jesus' plan right from early this morning. Um, right from early, he, he started talking to me about, about refining gold. And I didn't know what Remy was, was preaching on this morning, but he started talking about refining gold and he showed me some very clear pictures of pots of gold that he has, has heated up and all those impurities have risen to the surface. And I just wanna let you know that if you're sitting feeling overwhelmed by the impurities that are floating to the surface, it's a quick, it's a simple decision. Let it go. Let it go. Jesus is the person that comes like the refiner of gold and scrapes off the dross that floats to the surface. If you don't know this, when they refine gold, they heat it up to a certain temperature. All the impurities come to the surface and the surface goes black. And then they, they use a tool and it's a very gentle process, but they scrape off the black stuff on the top and then they heat it up again and more impurities flow to the surface. So right now, Jesus, we thank you that we never need to be overwhelmed by the impurities that you bring to the surface because by letting it go, Jesus, you come and scrape it off. So I thank you, Jesus, for the refiner's fire. I thank you that you care enough about us, Jesus, to not leave us in a state of impurity and in a state of fragmentation and in a state of brokenness. And so we just give it to you, Jesus. We say, would you come and scrape off that dross, scrape off the impurity on, on the surface? Thank you, Jesus. Welcome the refiner's fire, Jesus. We welcome your fire, Jesus. We welcome the fire. There's no shame in the refining process.
you, God. You are gentle. You are do gentle. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And um, I'm, I'm going to um, let people just still sit. If you're just really receiving from the Lord, please feel free to still sit here and just talk with the Lord, be with the Lord here in these moments. We're going to have some people up the front that can pray for you too if you want to get some prayer. And um, if you have not given your life to Jesus, now would be a good time too. Um, come up the front because we'll, we'll have people up here that'll talk to you and walk you through that. But Jesus is good. Jesus is kind. The kindness is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com. 